Today we're going to be ending our current sermon series called Travel Light. Uh, we've been going through a lot of different things uh, this past uh, month of December. Uh, we've been talking about uh, getting rid of our stuff. We've been talking about getting rid of, of uh, just our, our distractions. We've been talking about getting rid of a whole bunch of things that weigh us down in life uh, and stuff. And so this one I'm, I'm really excited about because I think it's, it's one of the biggest ones or if not the biggest uh, baggage that we have in life and in fact it affects every other thing that we've already talked about um, today I want to talk about the past today I want to talk specifically about your past uh, this past year I already hinted at it a little bit ago but I'm sure some of us uh, love 2019 I'm sure we can all think of some amazing great things that happened this past year uh, I'm sure we can think of man I'd really like to go back to that time where this happened or that happened or whatever. But I'm sure there's also some of us who are like, we got some things that we wish we could take back. I'm sure we've said some things that we wish we could take back. I'm sure we did some things that we wish we probably didn't do. Uh, I'm sure some of us even wish that we actually did something, uh, you know, versus doing nothing and stuff. And so some of us may even be thinking about the same for the entire decade. We're just excited that this is now over. Um, but God has a lot to say about our past, and there's a very important uh, story that uh, we can learn from, and it comes out of John chapter 18. <clears throat> if you want to turn your Bibles to there, John chapter 18, we're going to be looking at verse, uh, starting at verse uh, 17. But I'm here to tell you that um, I'm hoping you're encouraged at the end of this, because oftentimes we give our past way too much power. We, we define ourselves based upon who we were. And, and that's not what God wants us to do. God wants us, in fact, to find our identity in him and what he can do through us into the future. He doesn't want our future to be held back because of something from the past. He wants us to be excited for the future. He wants us to be excited for what he's going to do in and through us. And so, um, but but we, can, we can oftentimes be held back from from things in our past. So we're going to be looking at a good story. Um, and, and, I, and I just want to quickly highlight, I have this later in my notes, but I'm going to jump it up to now. The story that we're about to read is not about failure. The story that we're about to read is not about defeat. It's not about something negative. Rather than focusing on that, let's focus on what Jesus is doing in the story and seeing his victory and seeing his power and seeing what he's doing uh, in this individual's life. So uh, John chapter 18, uh, we're going to be looking at verses, uh, verse 17. We're going to jump around a hair, but, but if you follow me, you, you should be able to track with it, okay? So starting at 17, the woman asked Peter, you're not one of the, or I'm sorry, you're not one of that man's disciples, are you? No, he said, I am not. Because it was cold, uh, the household servants and the guards are, I'm sorry, had made a charcoal fire. They stood around it, warming themselves, and Peter stood with them, warming himself. Now jump down to verse 25. Meanwhile, as Simon Peter was standing by the fire, warming himself, they asked him again, You're not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, No, I am not. 26. But one of the household servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? 
Verse 27, again, Peter denied it, and immediately a rooster crowed. So what's going on? What, what, what the heck? Okay, so this is what's going on. We're kind of in the middle of a larger story of Jesus's trial and crucifixion, okay? We're, we're kind of taking a little tiny chunk uh, out of this story, and, and we're going to examine it. So basically, if we were to go back just a couple chapters, we find out that Jesus is in his final hours on earth. He's essentially preparing himself to, for, his, for his death and his resurrection, okay? Uh, we read about, uh, starting at uh, John uh, chapter 13, uh, which is known as the start of the farewell discourse. It's Jesus' final, like, moments on earth, right, in the book of John. Uh, we, we, we start to read uh, the, the Passover, not the Passover, the, the Last Supper. We start to read... Uh, about Jesus in the garden, right? Jesus, when he's in the garden, by the way, I think it's in, it's either in John or in Luke, we read that Jesus is so stressed out about his death that he is, he is sweating blood, which is an actual medical condition where people get so stressed out that rather than, than sweating out sweat, you're sweating, you're breaking the blood vessels in your skin, right? Kind of, kind of weird. Uh, but, but even then he's so stressed out about it. And he's praying. He's, he's going before God. Meanwhile, the disciples are taking a nap for some reason. I don't know if they had a long walk, but they're taking a nap. And uh, Jesus says, wake up. Pray with me. He goes back and prays. And then and he comes back. They're still napping. Eventually, Jesus sees a bunch of Roman guards. Okay, Judas Iscariot kisses him on the cheek. They arrest him. Peter whips out his little saber because he's a psychopath. And he, he cuts a man's ear off which I don't know is a warning shot or he just missed, right? Because, I mean, I don't know. But anyways, Jesus t- picks up the ear <laughs> just so nonchalantly. He probably picks up the ear, he slaps it on. And I'm thinking, this is a perfect moment to pull a prank. Like, what if you put the ear on backwards? Or like, I don't know. This is, my, this is why I'm not Jesus, okay? And so he heals the man's ear. That's why the, the servant girl references the man's ear being cut off, Okay. They take him to the high priest to be placed on trial. This is the middle of the night. <coughs> and the disciples decide to follow him and, and, and be with him. Okay, And so Peter is, is following the disciples. John, the writer of the book of John, gets into, gets into the court because he knows someone. Right, he has, He's a friend of a friend. He gets in, and he's going to get everyone else in. Okay, Peter's outside this gate, and he's asked, don't you know Jesus? And he's like, no, no, stop it, okay? So a little bit more time goes by, and, pe- and other people start to recognize him, and they're asking him, aren't you? And he's like, no, no. And in fact, this servant girl, some scholars actually believe that she's a junior high girl. She's like this, like, someone that you shouldn't really lie to. Like, there's no reason to lie to a junior high girl, right? Okay, um, and and in fact, some scholars, when they look at the language, he's actually cussing this girl out, right? He's like trying to hide the fact that he's a disciple. And, and, and one, of the, one of the things that we learn about from all the way back in the Last Supper is, is Jesus is pointing people out who are going to deny him or who are going to betray him. He talks about Judas, Iscariot, and Peter's like, I would never do that to you, Jesus. In fact, I would die for you, right? He makes this huge claim because that's what Peter does. Peter makes these huge claims but very often doesn't back them up. 
And in fact, Jesus calls him out even further. He says, listen, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, whatever. I'm so devoted to you. And then he goes and follows Jesus to trial. And he gets asked, he gets three opportunities. And he denies Jesus every single time. And then, he, and then he hears the rooster crow. And he immediately remembers what he promised Jesus. He immediately remembers what he told him. That he, would, he was so committed to Jesus that he would even die for him. But yet he does the very thing that he said he would never do. What does, this, what does this mean for us today? We all have things that we regret. We all have promises that we've stated, that we've gone back on. We've all have said things or done things that we wish we could take back. We have moments in our life that we wish we could do over, right? They don't necessarily have to be commitments. They just have to be moments in time that we wish were different. If we could, if we could somehow build a time machine, we would go back to those moments and just redo them, right? And, and, and we all have those. For those of you who are thinking, I have no regrets, okay? That means one of two things. Either you don't care or you're naive. We all have regrets. We all have things that we wish we could do differently. We all have things that wish played out differently. And here's the thing. The enemy will use those things to try and destroy us. They will use these moments or these regrets to try and pull us away (coughs) from God. He'll tell us that we're unforgivable. Why would God forgive that sin? Like that sin is so horrible. That thing that you said is so horrible. Why would, like, I know scripture says that, but why would he forgive you? What makes you so special about that? That's like he does everything or he forgives everything besides that. He'll tell us. This over and over and over again. And then if he can convince us that we're unforgivable, he can also convince us that we're unlovable. Like, yeah, God's love covers everything, but, but that? That? Are you, are you sure? Are you sure? Why would he love you because you've done this? Why would he love you after everything that you've done or everything that you've said or everything that you've, you, you've been a part of? Why would he love someone who's done something like that? And then if he can convince us that we're unlovable, he can convince us that we're useless. Why would God use someone like you? Why would God have this great purpose for you after what you've just done? Like, I don't know about you, but sometimes, sometimes I particularly struggle with this one because it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's oh, you've done this. Well, why would God, why would God use you? Why, now that whole purpose that he had for you, gone. Don't even think about it. Don't even worry about it. It's gone. He can't, you're tainted now. You have a mark on your life. You're no longer worthy. Right, he does these things. He does it over and over and over again. He, uh, when you go back all the way in Genesis chapter three, right, where after the fall and, 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 and Adam and Eve both sin and they're trying to make clothes, which I don't know how they do because they didn't have to have clothes before then. But anyways, they try and like sew fig leaves or something. I don't know what they did. But they felt shame. It was the first time they felt shame. They wanted to cover up themselves. They wanted to cover up who they were because they felt 
unforgivable, they felt unlovable, and they felt useless to God. We see this over and over and over again in Scripture. And he still does this very same thing today. But here, let me, let me encourage you. Although you can't change your past, God can change your future. God can alter your future. You don't have to go on the trajectory that you're going on. If you trust in God and you believe that you are forgivable, that you are lovable, and that you are useful to God, he can change your future. You don't have to go down the path that you're going on. God, and just just so we're clear, God was with you in your past. It's not like God showed up the second you accepted Jesus. He's like, oh, I'm here now. He was with you in your struggle. He was with you when you did that thing. He was with you when you said that thing. In fact, um, there's, there's this belief or this idea in theology where God is everywhere on the time spectrum at the same time. So he's just as much in Genesis chapter 1 as he is with us right now, as much as he is in eternity past, or eternity future. God is always with you, which means that he's able to heal you of your past. He's not like, his, his relationship with you doesn't start the second you, you, you uh, accept him as Lord and Savior of your life. He's with you even in your past right now. The first feeling that God desires for you to have about your past is not fear, it's not disgrace, it's not regret. It's, he wants you to feel his grace, his mercy, and his love. He doesn't want you to feel like, like you're unworthy. He doesn't want you to feel like, oh, I did this, I screwed up. He doesn't want you to feel angry. He doesn't want you to feel his wrath. He doesn't want you to feel his judgment. The first things he wants you to feel about him is his grace, his mercy, and his love. And God doesn't see, when he looks at you, he doesn't see what you did in the past. What he does see is what he can do in and through your life if you continue to trust him. That's what he sees. He doesn't look at all your marks and all your dirtiness and all your filth and all your mistakes and all your whatever. He's, he looks past that and he sees who you can become if you continue to trust in him. This is what Peter is wrestling with in this moment because he feels horrible. He's like, I just went back on Jesus. I turned my back on the Savior of the world. I turned my back on who he is and what I said I would do and this and that and the other thing. Now, just so you know, in and of Peter's own power, he would not have been able to do that. He had to trust and rely upon the Holy Spirit, right? He did it in his own power, and he failed. And maybe that's something that maybe speaks to one of you t today is you're trying to be uh, a good follower of Jesus. You're trying to trust in him. You're trying to do all the right things. You're trying to do this and that and the other thing. And, and for some reason, it's just not working out. It's not how you thought it would be. It's not, your life is not how you thought it would be if you continue to trust in God. But here's the thing. Are you relying on God's grace and mercy or are you relying on your own power to do it? Because there is a difference. You're going to fail if you rely completely on your own power. But if you rely upon God and his grace and his mercy and his love, you're still going to mess up, yes. But even at the same time, you're going to be able to rest in the grace and mercy of God. God does not see 
what you've done. He sees what he can do through you if you trust in him. So where does Peter go from here? If we jump to um, chapter 21 real quick, we get to see the end of the story. We get to see how, what Jesus does for Peter, okay? Uh, verse, verse 20, I'm sorry, verse. Chapter 21, verse 15, it's just three, three verses real quick. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. Now, just so you know, this is like, okay, so in, in Scripture, generally you would only use the first name, okay? When you use the whole name, it's like your mom voice, right? Like, like when, I was, when I was growing up in the early 90s, okay? I don't know if they did this in the 2000s, probably not. But basically, we lived in a cul-de-sac, okay? And, and you could hear your parents' voice anywhere in the cul-de-sac. And so you knew what to expect when you heard John, and when you heard Jonathan Michael Layden, right? You knew the difference. And the struggle was, do I go now or do I wait for a little bit, right? Do I just like, do I want to face it now or do I want to face it later, right? You knew what was going on because like John just meant, hey, I need you to come home. We're going to go do something. Jonathan Michael Layden was, something's going to go down. And I don't know if I want to be a part of that. And um, so, right, this is, this is like, Jesus' mom voice to Peter. Okay, he's specifically identifying Peter. So he says, uh, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Uh, and then verse 16, Jesus repeated, this, repeated the question, John, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. So what's going on here? Okay. Jesus has already resurrected, obviously. Okay. And he's, this is not the first time that the disciples have seen Jesus after his resurrection. In fact, you, you read about Jesus appearing to the disciples in the previous chapter. You read about Thomas, uh, and you read all that. So, so they've seen Jesus a couple times before this moment. And, and what's going on here is, is that Peter was so ashamed of his past. He was so ashamed of his mistakes and, and denying Jesus that he completely cuts himself off from Jesus and he, he and seven other disciples decide to go and do what they did before, which was fishing. They're fishing at this particular moment, okay? And Jesus is chilling on the beach. He's grilling some fish, okay? And they finally recognize who's sitting on the beach. And the disciples uh, swim out to, to meet with Jesus and hang out with him. And, and Jesus and Peter are having this conversation, okay? Because Jesus wants to deal with this. He's, he's, he's given a purpose, he's given a calling on Peter's life, and he's not doing it because of his past. 
and Jesus is going to handle business, right? But, but, but here's the thing. Jesus handles it with such grace and such mercy toward Peter. He doesn't chew Peter out. He wasn't like, what's up, bro? Thought you were going to die for me. Like, what's up? Why didn't you do it? Right? He, didn't, he doesn't do that. He asked Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? He's reminding Peter of all the commitments that he, that he has made. He's reminding Peter of his calling. He's reminding Peter who he is and what he was made for. Right? He's, he's reminding Peter, you know what? The, the past is, is over. It's done with. It's gone. You can't, you can't do anything about it. But what you can do is you can move forward, right? Because, because he doesn't put a condition on, on taking care of his sheep or taking care of his lambs, right? He doesn't say, well, you know, this you get one shot, do it, right? He doesn't do that. He doesn't remind Peter of what he's done. He simply says, keep moving forward into what purpose I have given you. He's healing Peter. He's reminding Peter that he loves Jesus. He's telling Peter that he still has value. He still has purpose. And he wants to bring healing to Peter despite Peter's feelings. Now this is key, especially with our past, because sometimes if we're honest, we want to be healed, but we don't want to experience the pain of our past. We don't want to bring things up about our past. So we have this decision to make. We can either bury it and just never talk about it and hopefully forget it, or we can deal with it, and we can get healing from it, and we can get peace from it. And that's the beauty of God. God doesn't just let you bury stuff. He wants to deal with it. He wants to handle it. He wants to bring healing to you. Um, I, I don't know if, if any of you have ever experienced this, but, but imagine getting, getting a sliver in your hand, right? What happens when you ignore the sliver? It gets way worse. It gets gnarly, in fact, sometimes. Right? And, and so we have, this is my thing. Oftentimes, I'm just like, just, just shave the part off, and then we'll be good, right? Well, if I do that, I'm, it's still going to be worse off, because now you can't really get it out. Right? I have to suck it up and get the sliver out for my own benefit, for my own healing, right? There's, there's, there's slivers in our past that we need to honestly take out. We need to deal with them. And that might be something as simple as talking it out. It may be something as simple as maybe going and forgiving someone. It may be the flip side. You might need to ask forgiveness from someone else. It might be <coughs> you just need to rectify some, you know, uh, something, whether you, know, you just need to make it as it was before it was messed up, whatever it may be. But we have to be willing to allow God to heal us of our past. One, one of the symptoms of, of needing healing from your past is refusing to talk about it, right? We, we bury stuff so deep and we, we avoid certain conversations or we avoid certain people or we avoid certain settings because we don't want the past to be brought up, right? There might be a person that you don't hang out with anymore because of some issue in the past. There might be certain settings that you ignore because it reminds you of something, right? Um, maybe you've had a conversation the past holiday season where, where someone brought something up 
and you're, you had a flashback of something that, that you thought that you buried and you took care of and you never talked about and hopefully forgot. And all of a sudden, this one word, the human brain is powerful. This one word reminds you of something, and all of a sudden you're dealing with it, even though it happened years ago. God wants to heal you from those things. And, and he, by healing, I'm not saying like you're, you're validating what happened or, or you're all of a sudden okay with whatever happened or whatever. But what I'm saying is, is that you're now comfortable and able to not let that thing hold you back. Because, because here's the thing. Peter went back to what he was used to. <coughs> it was easy to go fishing because Peter had been a fisherman for years. But it wasn't what God had made him to be. Some of us hold ourselves back because it's comfortable. Some of us hold ourselves back because it's easy and it's not challenging and it's not going to it's not going to force us to grow. It's not going to force us to do something that we don't want to do. It's comfortable. But here's this, and we sometimes we mask it as, well, I'm just being consistent. And I did air quotes because consistency can be masked as complacency. You're being complacent. You're being okay. Why would I work on this when I'm okay with what I have? But here's the thing. God doesn't, God doesn't do that. God doesn't roll like that. He wants to bring healing to your life. So how do we do this? Okay. How do we allow God to heal us of our past? Two things. Very simple. Same thing or same thing on opposite ends of the coin. You first must close the door to your past. In 1 John 1 9, it says this. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Confession is something that honestly is a lost discipline in our society we don't confess when we're wrong we don't admit you know what what i did was not okay we don't we don't do that what we do is we bury it and we ignore it and we hopefully move on we avoid the issue but when we confess what we've done it allows us to close that chapter of our life it allows us to close that door in our life and, and, and it's easier to not bring up these things because we've confessed it and we've sought forgiveness for it. And we must understand God is faithful and he forgives us. That's a promise. That's not a conditional promise either. That's if you confess, you will be forgiven. In fact, in fact there's, there's a segment in theology and doctrine where it talks about how you're already forgiven. You just need to say it. Like, like, like the, the phrase, it is finished, when Jesus is on the cross in, in the book of John, right? He, he, he says, it is finished, and then he dies. That word for finished means it goes throughout the entire spectrum of time. So your past is already forgiven, your present is already forgiven, and your future is already forgiven. So you don't need to worry about anything. All you need to do is confess your sins to God and confess our sins to each other when we wrong one another. We need to accept that God's grace is stronger than your past. You can't change the past. It's done. It's over with. But what you can do is you can accept God's grace and realize that it is stronger than your past. And, and, and here's something real quick. Your standing with God is based on relationship, not 
rules. That's a huge, huge thing in, in, in the church that needs to be continually communicated. It's not about what you do for God. It's what God has already done for you. Listen, if you would, if you, if you were, I know there's whole doctrines that are divided on this, okay, whole churches that are divided on this, but this is where I stand on this. If you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and you do your absolute best in and of your own power, but continue to rely upon God, you're going to be with God for eternity. Like, it, your performance does not matter. Your performance, listen, we, we don't know who's going to be in heaven until we get to heaven. And I bet you some of us are going to be really surprised. We'll be like, how'd you get in here? How'd you, what? What? Hmm, that's, that's, a, that's a brain teaser right there. Like, how? Hmm. And, and if we're honest, if we're really honest, we'll be like, where's so-and-so? Where are they at? Because Jesus time and time again says, there's going to be people who thought they were, but they weren't. Because they relied on their own performance instead of the grace of God. Anyways, I totally got off subject. But you are standing with God is not based on rules and how well you keep them. It's based on your relationship with him because you are his creation. The, the last point is this, and I'm done. It's the, the, the same thing, but on the other end of the coin. Step into your future. See, you can close the door on your past and stay where you're at and never go into your future. God wants you to step into what your future is and what he has for you. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3, 12 through uh, 14. It says this. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the, uh, that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Verse 13. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, forgetting the past and looking ahead to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling me to. Paul, in this moment, now granted, he's in jail, but he's excited. I don't know how. But he's in jail, and he's looking forward to the future. In fact, he's under house arrest, which means he's chained to a bed. Okay, He has a lot of free time to think. And I don't know about you, but I would be very, it would be very difficult for me to think about my future at this particular moment. I would be thinking a lot of my past and the things that I have, could have done differently to not get in jail. But he's looking ahead. He's not letting his past affect his future. He's not letting his past define who he is. He, he's forgetting it, in fact. And he's looking ahead. See, we can, we can close the door, if you will, on the past and just still face the past and never look to the future. God wants us to look and step into the future. God saves you from your past so that you can move forward. And like I said before, and I'm going to close, your story is not about your failures. Your life is not about how badly you screwed up. Your story is what God has done through your life and has gained victory over and over and over again. 
there's a reason why we sing worship songs about victory often. Is because sometimes we get defeated. And we need to be reminded of how good God is. We, we, we sing a lot of songs about God and his power and his mercy and in his goodness. And there's a, there's, there, the reason for that is there's a lot of songs about defeat. There's a lot of songs about, about all of that. And I, I honestly don't want to go to church and sing about that. I'd rather sing about the goodness and the greatness and the power of God and knowing that we have victory through him because we couldn't have done it ourselves. So I just want to challenge you as we end, uh, as we close, to, to do whatever you got to do to let go of your past. There's nothing you can change about it. But what you can do is you can be healed from it. Maybe you need to have a conversation with God. Maybe you need to have a conversation with someone else. Maybe you need to rectify a situation. Maybe you need to just let it go. But be healed of your past and step into your future. Allow God to show you what he has for you and, and be able to, to uh, work uh, toward that. So I'm going to pray. I'll be up here for anyone who wants prayer after service. So, um, But listen, there's only two days in the year, and then we're done. And then we get to move on to a whole new year. And, and let me tell you, God has some amazing things planned for you this next year. It may not go fully like you wanted it to, but it's still going to be amazing. It's still going to be great. And I'm excited to see what God does uh, in and through your life. So let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you that we can trust in you. We thank you that we don't have to let our past define us. We thank you that we can uh, fully rest in your grace and in your mercy and in your love, Father. Lord, heal us of our past. Lord, there's some things that we uh, have been burying. There's some things that we wrestle with. There's some things that we wish we could take back. Lord, but we can't. And so we ask you to, to heal us of those things, God. I don't know what each and every one of us are facing, God, but I'm sure all of us have something. And so we give these things to you, know, knowing that you're going to take care of it, Father. And I pray that, that because of this weight is off our shoulders, I pray that we would step into our future, realizing that there's good things ahead, realizing that there's awesome things that you want to do in and through us, God. But we want to let go of these things that hold us back, Lord. Lord, give us faith, give us hope, give us strength, give us trust today. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen.